Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? Hello and welcome to the Animal Files podcast. Guess what? Yep, we got another interview for you and it is a return. We are going to be talking to Sabrina Fair Andronica today about another one of her books. If you remember, we spoke with her just a little while ago and we are happy to have her back. So I'm just going to throw it over to Miranda and we're going to get this interview started. Yeah, I'm so thrilled to have you back because we have such enjoyable conversations and your stories share so much wisdom and offer so much benefit to children and adults alike to help us all be able to make better choices when it comes to our animals. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, what a what an introduction. I am so thrilled to be back here. And I, I really appreciate those kind words. They mean a lot to me. And I just want to point out if there is some snoring going on, it's not me. It's one of my pit bulls <laughs> next to me. And I just wanted to, because she started right when we like hit start here. So <laughs> She got really comfortable. <laughs> um, so if you hear some snoring, <laughs> it's one of my pitties. Okay. <laughs> Thank you though for having me on. I'm so excited about today. You're welcome. Today we're going to be focusing on your second book, Cruelty yes. Free is the Way to Be. Yep, that's it. Can you give us a little bit of a, just a brief overview at this point, just a brief overview about what that book is focusing on? So that book is focusing on teaching not only adults, but children, I would say families, how to shop cruelty-free, which means to support companies and products that don't test on animals. And mm-hmm. it's easier than most people think. We all know that it's a very brutal industry, and it's something that's really hard to talk about with children because it could be very mm-hmm. disturbing. Uh, it's mm-hmm. disturbing for adults, so imagine trying to explain this to a six-year-old animal lover. So Mm -hmm. I wrote in a way that was kid-friendly, family approved. (laughs) (laughs) And um, in in order to do that, I figured the best way to approach the topic is by telling it from a bunny. So a lab bunny is telling the story of he and his friends and how they're not always treated fairly and how they live in cages and that, you know, they're, they're being tested on. And I don't explain really the details of what that means, but from the pictures, it shows, oh, these, these animals live in cages and then they lock them up and throw away the key. And, uh, but you don't have to support this cruel method and you can do this without, you can shop through your favorite products or discover new ones without hurting any animals. So you get to just meet Brooks the bunny. That's his name telling the story. Aww. And you get to meet all his friends, which includes a monkey, a cat. Uh, I believe it's a guinea pig. And what was the other one? Let me see. I have them all here. Oh, of course, a dog, a beagle. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, it's just a, um, you know, it's kind of like I would say a guide guidance book. Uh, because he's mm-hmm. teaching you how to do these steps. But it's from, you know, the point of view of a 
of a bunny. So that in itself makes it very kid friendly. Cute. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I think often too, when we tell stories from the point of view of animals or even the point of view of a child, it helps to, I think, bring out the empathy in people. Right. Absolutely. Oh yeah. If you fall in love with the character, yes, you're going to listen to what that character has to say. Yes. Absolutely (laughs) agreed. Yes. And I, I don't know if it's a good time to mention it now, but there's an app that's mentioned in the book and it's a free app to download. We can discuss it more in depth later, but it's been a great way for kids to have fun with it. And they don't, I mean, they don't even realize they're making a huge difference by doing this, but you get to go around the store and start scanning products and see if it's cruelty free or not. I don't know about you guys, but I had a cash register when I was a kid and I would play like, you know, store in my room and I would make my mom shop for stuff. And then I would (laughs) ring her up because I love the sound it made and all that. So the same thing with this and, but kids are actually scanning a barcode and it tells, it tells whoever's uh, scanning if it's cruelty free or not. So it just turns into a game. And then they also have to look for the bunny logo on the back of each product. They find it, they know it's cruelty free. So it's been a fun, um, I I try to make it as fun as possible for them. Nice. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Mm. What experiences have you had and what have you read or seen that led you to feel it was important to write a story or create a story addressing how to be cruelty free or how to shop cruelty free? That is such a great question. So back in 2017, I was at an event in Los Angeles, California, and I believe it was called Shopping for Beagles. It was like a vegan barbecue and brews kind of place at a bar. Mm -hmm. And they had this whole setup with vendors there. And it's where I first discovered Beagle Freedom Project. And Beagle Freedom Project was founded in 2010 by the lovely Shannon Keith. They rescue, rehabilitate, and find homes for animals who were used as laboratory experiments. Mm. So I just thought that was fascinating. And at this event, it was the first time I ever met a survivor of animal testing. Her name was Belle. Mm. Uh, She was a beagle very sweet little girl meeting and holding her was such a treat I'm sure yeah (laughs) but like learning what she's been through was not you know uh, Mm. when her owner flipped over her ear I saw the tattoo the lab gave her since they aren't given names and Mm. I was also informed that her vocal cords were removed oh yeah Uh, she was also forced to mother other puppies that were to be used in the same cruel testing so Mm. but luckily she was saved as a young dog Mm. you know many of these dogs don't get freed from torture until they are about 10 years old if at all so that means these dogs they they never felt the grass beneath their Mm. feet or felt the sunshine on their back none of that and we all know that 10 years for a dog in some cases is their whole life they don't get as much time like us So over the years, I always did my best to shop cruelty-free from that point forward. And I realized it's easier than people think. Mm. In 2020, when I was trying to figure out what my next book would be about, I I came up with the idea. And I I checked the market and I was stunned that there weren't many books on how to shop cruelty-free, especially for kids. 
so I said, this could be a total failure or it could impact a lot of people to make change with their choices and their money. And mm. so far it's, it's worked. I, I haven't, not good one. I haven't got any negative <laughs> attacks. Um, if I do it, I'm ready, but I'm happy with the choice. Mm. Yeah. It's such an important topic, I think. And it's an area that there's kind of a limited amount of awareness. Like people have a general awareness of animals being right. used in the lab right. or different things like that, but that's pretty much the extent of it. They don't really, it's a very more secretive, cruel industry. And unfortunately, a lot of laboratories will euthanize these animals instead of release them into society because they don't want the public to know what they're doing to them. Mm. It's very brutal and not that it makes it any better. But most people think it's rats, it's guinea pigs, it's rabbits, it's, but they don't know that it's dogs, it's cats, it's all different kinds of breeds. Beagles are used the most because they're the most docile. Mm -hmm. But there's a thing called pound seizure, which is absolutely horrific. And it's illegal to do in some states, but in like 33 other states, it's legal and it's mandated in two that a pound can sell a dog or any animal there to a laboratory. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That animal that was once a pet is now getting tumors implanted into their bodies. You know, Um, Mm. it's horrific. And so I've, I met a lot of the dogs in in those cases where they were once a pet put into a pound and then yeah, the rest is history. So sad. Yeah. Mm. So it's, it's, it's something that they need to be exposed for what they're doing. It's just horrible. So yeah, these, this is the first step. I have to say it's gotten so much better and I'm sure we'll talk about that more in, as the interview goes on. Mm-hmm. So besides reading your book, which I'm sure is going to enlighten a huge number of people. Oh, thanks. How, <laughs> how else can the public become informed about how these animals are being treated? So you'll hear me talk about Beagle Freedom Project a lot during this interview because they do such amazing work for this side of animal cruelty. But a family friend who has been a great friend to my parents since the 80s, and he's the founder of Last Chance for Animals. His name's Krista Rose. He is my idol, and I mention him in the book that he is the inspiration for, for that story. Last Chance for Animals was founded in 1984. They've done dozens of investigations against the use of animals for testing purposes and have made major change over the last 40 years, just about. But there are many other organizations coming up and doing incredible work as well. And of course, you can learn a lot from PETA and their website and books as well. So there's definitely a lot of organizations out there that, you know, you can learn. I mean, even if you follow uh, on Instagram, PETA Kids, there's a whole site and they, they put up a lot of stuff, you know, that's kid friendly about animal testing. So it's, it's just really grown a lot. So children and adults can learn a lot about animal testing and how you can make a difference, how not to support it. Mm -hmm. So if a person wanted to get involved with helping these animals, I mean, obviously they can find a way to work with these organizations through donations and volunteering and stuff like that. Is there any other ways that you might be able to suggest 
that people could help these animals that have been mistreated by these various organizations and groups? The best, I, I mean, you mentioned it already, but it is a very valuable thing for these animals. So you can sign up to volunteer if you're a local. And uh, I, th- I believe they're branching out to other states, but Beagle Freedom Project, mm-hmm. I've done a lot of volunteer work with them. You can sign up to volunteer and be involved in the rescues. It's an emotional experience for sure, because it's hard to see these animals come out of their kennels and have mm-hmm. no idea what to do. Mm-hmm. However, it's like, it's so rewarding because you know, they are finally free and it's going to get better from here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, if you're in a position to foster or even adopt, that is truly the most rewarding experience and an impactful way to make a difference for these animals and bring awareness to this cruel like I said earlier, secretive industry. So just mm-hmm. by fostering one of these dogs and people, you know, that they can wear a collar that says I'm a survivor and people ask questions and you're just mm. <laughs> spreading that mm-hmm. awareness just by somebody falling in love by petting your the beagle, you know, or, yeah. or whatever. Right. I, I always say beagle because it's, you see so many of them, but any of the dogs that come out of here and cats, my God, we, there's so many cats that are in the office at Beagle Freedom Project that were all mm. used in, in labs. Mm. So yeah, I, I I feel like once you meet a survivor, it just changes from there, especially oh. if you're a lover of animals. You just can't go, oh, well, let me go buy some Tide. I don't know. <laughs> it yeah. just doesn't work. It's like, where can I get some <laughs> cruelty-free, uh, you know, um, laundry detergent? And so there, it's out there. So you just Mm -hmm. kind of make the changes, you know, at your own pace. But I think that is one way to, you know, and if you're just at, if you're okay, you're not in a position to foster or adopt. I have four dogs. I can't really do it. So I go to the rescues and you film them coming out of their cage and you can post it on social media. You can share it with friends. So I think Mm -hmm. those are the most valuable ways. Those are great ways. Thank you. Yeah. I think so too. I'm curious, how do these animals end up being able to leave the lab situation if these people are wanting to be so secretive and you know maybe keep them until they've used them as much as they can how do any of these animals end up being able to come out of it early enough to be able to still have some like their life is still of value right right so you're saying like how are they freed from laboratories basically laboratory life yeah legally (laughs) kidding um (laughs) well i'm sure there's well it's been done so many people have animal activists have broken into labs of course they've made it harder this was in the early 80s and 90s where they freed animals and risked their own you know going to jail and all that but now many of the organizations i mentioned they'll but like BFP, Beagle Freedom Project, they will keep a good relationship with laboratories. It's hard to imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but in the end, it saves lives because once they are, I put quotes around done mm-hmm. with them, mm-hmm. instead right. of euthanizing them, they'll release them into the world and allow, allow them to have an actual life. So they make a compassionate decision a conscious decision to like, all right, this dog, let he or she be a pet now. Yeah. Of course, there's also other laboratories that just hate these organizations because it's, you know, they make legislation and they're making an, an impact on the world and they're exposing the truth of what they do. But many of them cooperate. And luckily, there are a lot of animals released after being used as objects 
so that is definitely one valuable way that these animals are freed into the public. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's amazing how yeah. much relationships matter. I mean, right. there is an awful lot of truth to you can collect more flies with honey. Right. Right. And if creating a relationship with these horrible companies can save at least one animal, it's worth it. It really is worth it. it. I mean, if you go through life just hating on everybody, you're not going to get anything accomplished. No, I know it's a different subject, but it's still the same I would say the same concept. Uh, there's a sanctuary. I, I, they're actually all over now. They're branching out gentle barn and they rescue farmed animals. Mm-hmm. And the same thing, those founders are friends with a lot of farmers and slaughterhouse <laughs> businesses. Yeah. And they, and it's very hard to do, but they mm-hmm. keep a very good relationship with them. And because of it, they save mamas and, and, you yeah. know, and the calf. And it's just, it's unbelievable. So you really have to have the strength to do so. And I really applaud the people that can do that mm-hmm. because it's really saving lives. Yeah. Well, you know, I think a lot of it is kind of an energetic return in a sense as well, because when you can engage with somebody whose behaviors, practices or whatever you don't agree with, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you can interact with them in a positive way, in a loving way, that energy is going to affect them. And it can create a shift energetically in how they choose to do things moving forward. Maybe not on a conscious level, but yep, I agree. So you already brought up the app that Mm -hmm. people can use. And you know, I think So many people will buy products such as cosmetics and hair products without really considering how they were developed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just completely unaware of what is happening behind the scenes. They're just focused on, you know, the front label of what the promises are that they Mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure if there's something aside from this app. Well, I think you also mentioned another part as well, but how can consumers feel confident that they are buying a product that isn't harming animals is reasonably safe for them to use and maybe also supports the environment. Oh, it might be a big thing a to question. kind of encompass all three of those in one, but <laughs> it's actually not. And, and I love this question. And I swear I'm not being biased when I say this, <laughs> but I notice the companies who make the compassionate decision to not test on animals also make other important conscious decisions. Many of them use way less ingredients, like 10, maybe. So they have less harsh chemicals for you, the buyer. And I also notice these brands are more sustainable, whether they use less plastic or none at all in their packaging or for their shipping. So compared to huge commercial brands, they are better overall in everything. Like some, not all, could be a little bit on the pricier side, but it's only because there's so much more care put into them. So one thing like the app, I don't think I mentioned the name of it. It's called Cruelty Cutter. And like I said earlier, it's free to download and Beagle Freedom Project founded the app. So sometimes like some products start out cruelty free, but if they're bought by a parent company, let's say Procter & Gamble then they aren't considered fully cruelty-free. And so the mm. app, it, you know, it there might be a bunny on the back of the product you're scanning, 
And then you scan it and it says this product is tested on animals. But if you look at the parent company, which is usually in the corner, you'll see that's why. And usually it explains it in the app. But also if they sell their product in China, it's required by law there to test on animals. So in order to sell your product oh, wow. there, yeah. So you automatically lose your cruelty-free badge there. But I have to say a lot of commercial brands are getting on the cruelty-free train because they know it's a frequently asked question if the product is tested on animals. So mm -hmm. I have to say that's a positive change I've seen in the last few years. And sometimes they'll mention in commercials, like this product is cruelty-free. And it's like, wow, that's huge. I mean, going to Sephora, I remember asking if a certain cover-up foundation was cruelty-free. They came back with a binder of all these companies, all these brands that are cruelty-free. So it shows you using your voice, using your money wisely, you're making a huge impact just by asking that question mm -hmm. to a worker there, to an employee. Yeah, so I've seen dramatic change over the last few years. And like I said, usually cruelty-free companies, they cover everything else, your health and the environment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have one question, a little off sure. script here. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. I've used the PETA list since probably 1995 to nice. know what products are cruelty-free and what yeah. not. So right. I have over the last, that's like what, almost 40 years, 35 oh, wow. years, I've been doing that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just recently, lo and behold, one of these companies that was on my list the entire time, oh, we're cruelty free. Right. And that's CoverGirl. Now, yeah. Yeah. CoverGirl, I believe they are still owned Nuxel or whatever, mm -hmm. like their parent company. Right. But yet everything is like cruelty free, cruelty free. And I and I, I applaud them. I really do applaud them for seriously making a conscious effort to do their entire line cruelty free. Right. But since they're still owned by Nuxel, yes. mm -hmm. how does a conscious consumer like myself navigate right. something like that because you want to support the people mm -hmm. who are being intentional and trying yep. to be cruelty free but you're still giving money to like knock out you're still giving money right. to procter and gamble because i know procter and gamble has cruelty free products oh yeah line. so yeah how does a you know conscious consumer right. navigate that to me that's a great question i actually have been asked that before i feel like it's all at that point because you're already on the right path a personal choice so if you don't feel comfortable supporting a company that is bought by a parent company that is not cruelty free there, I, I have to say with confidence, there are so many others that are wonderful mm -hmm. that are. So if you're like, you know what, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm going to move elsewhere and uh, try some other ones. Um, mm -hmm. If you're like, you know what, I still want to support them because they put in the effort to be cruelty free and they still are. Then that's all I think at that point a personal choice okay yeah that's my way of answering it for sure because <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately my, i have yeah. yeah i have a few products i think that are now bought by uh like procter and gamble and all different ones and then i have ones that are fully vegan fully cruelty free fully sustainable all that so yeah it's just a matter of choice yeah. i'm sorry miranda go ahead no that's okay i <laughs> Uh, I just was getting excited. I'm like, oh, what <laughs> But my my way of, of looking at it is that if there's a division of a company that is doing things in a positive way that is supporting the animals, supporting the environment, supporting our own health and all that kind of stuff, that if people 
buy that stuff and avoid buying the other stuff of that company that isn't supporting that, I think that's sending a very strong message to the mm-hmm. parent company of what absolutely want. yes. Yeah. Power to the people. Yep. Power to the people and the money. <laughs> Where how you're, you know, how you're using that uh that wallet of yours. It's just so it's so <laughs> huge. It's so huge if you want to make a difference. And I mean, not just animals, but everything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's just all about conscious decisions. So I agree with you, Miranda. That's mm. that's a great tip. So as we were talking, I was remembering that on LinkedIn, uh-huh. uh, I follow like some of the different humane societies and other people who uh-huh. are supporting animals. And I saw a couple of posts by one or more of the humane societies that seem to be suggesting that there has been a shift in some of these laboratories where they are choosing to stop using animals and are starting to use alternative methods Uh uh for treating. So Uh it looks like there has been some wins in the shift, how these labs are operating. Right. This, no, it's wonderful. A lot of, I mean, even laws are changing now. It's, it's getting so much better and it's just because there's more awareness. If, you know, I am very honest and not afraid to say that I have never watched a video I've read what happens to them. I've been told but what happens to them. And it's enough for me. It's enough for me to be like, no way am I supporting this. But yeah, for some people, they've watched a video. They've seen a video and they're like, okay, <laughs> I'm never supporting this again. You know, it, it, mm. whatever works for people. But the more awareness that is out there, you will see laboratories shifting their methods. And I, I'm hoping we talk about that a little bit because the alternative methods they have now are absolutely amazing. So, um, yeah, well, I guess, yeah, hopefully. Yeah. We'll yeah well, actually that was, uh, that was the next question. I was oh, awesome. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, because that that's obviously the big question. You know, like, mm-hmm. okay, well, I know this is horrific what they do to animals, but what is another, you know, what is another way for us to test products, you know, if we, if it's not animals? So yeah, it's a great question to be asked because, yeah. So what are some of the alternative methods are, that you're aware of that they're starting to use instead or that is better for them to use instead? Right. So there are definitely others, but the one that is most known I first always say this, I'm sure some people are insulted by it, but if you know the numbers, if you know the percentages, it's very true. My motto is animal testing is human guessing (laughs) because Mm -hmm. over 115 million animals are used in animal testing and 90% of the drugs fail in human trials because animals are biologically different. Then well, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. I, that's the one thing I never understood. Right. Well, my favorite line actually, it's in one of Beagle Freedom Project's brochures, and it's more like a jokeful comment. But it's like, imagine if they tested chocolate on dogs. <laughs> we would never eat chocolate. Like, it's just that that one always sticks with me because there's there's some humor to it, but it's so true. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, you can't eat chocolate, people, you'll die. So mm. that just right there, without getting into too much detail of how rats are different than us and so forth, proves a lot. Mm-hmm. But it still continues to this day because 
of reference to past experiments, but most importantly, because of financial gain. Unfortunately, there is a lot of money put into Mm -hmm. animal testing and that is made. So there are companies who use modern day technology and computer programs that hurt no animal or human in the process. So human and animal cells can be grown in a laboratory and cultivated into a 3D structure of miniature organs mounted Mm. on a single chip that's like the size of an iPhone. And that can be used to approve new drugs and chemicals, or that is used to approve new drugs and chemicals. And the results are far more accurate. So yeah, they can grow a little miniature heart or lung. It's it's absolutely amazing. So a lot, a lot of these companies, in order to prove that a, a product is safe, that's how they do it. That's one way of how they do it. And mm-hmm. I like to see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No one, I mean, listen, like this whole world, this whole generation brags about our technology and what it can do. Come on. How are we still doing this barbaric practice on these animals? We don't have right. to. Yeah. You're just going to get more accurate results that way. I mean, you know, <laughs> just think about it. Don't you think if we were working, we would have better cures for all these major illnesses and diseases that we struggle with? you know, decades at a time. Anyway, so that's the most exciting news. I always love to share with people who ask that question because then they can Mm -hmm. look into it themselves and, you know, I'm not just making this up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, labs and research have been doing amazing things in the discoveries that they've made. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like you said, it's like we've gotten to a point where we should be able to do this kind of stuff without having to harm anyone else in the Absolutely. process, whether Absolutely. it's animals or humans. Right. But, you know, I think one of the things that gets me with using animals as test subjects mm-hmm. is the fact that they have no say in it. And when it's something that is meant to benefit us, if we're right. asked to be a test subject for it, to see if it actually works or not, like mm-hmm. in the beginning stages, Mm-hmm. most of us are going to say absolutely not. Right. You know, right. we're not, we don't want to put our lives in jeopardy. Right. We do have the studies or whatever that they do where they've got, you know, the different groups to see how the different groups respond depending on what the... Yeah, they do have that. Uh, yeah. So they do have that aspect, but that's usually like way far along. That's not right. in the beginning stages. Right, right. And yeah, it's just one of those things. I mean... These animals are, you know, they're held down in machines. They're never given pain medications. They also do tests that I've heard just kind of to just, you know, for very ridiculous things. Um, and they, they, they will torture these animals. And it's, um, it's just very, very unfair. And I just don't know how anyone does it. I really don't. I don't know how they go home at night doing it. I was just thinking mm-hmm. that. I'm like, what type of person... Do you have to be to, I mean, I understand that job is a job, quote unquote. Yes. But yeah, (laughs) I mean, seriously, you can work at the corner deli. I mean, right. No, it's a torture chamber. What type? I mean, I understand, like, I know somebody who is in the military Mm -hmm. and they have their own animal testing thing in Mm -hmm. the military. Luckily, his role is just the care of those animals the animals have got to be there so he's right. going to take care of them as best he can that's his right. job he's in the military that's yeah i get stuff like that but when you go to 
college and get your master's or PhD in biology and you go, hey, I'm going to go work for this major pharmaceutical company with all of these animals and I'm just going to poke their eyes out. Sorry for all the listeners out there that don't understand the the anger that some of us (laughs) cruelty-free people have. But like, what type of person do you have to be right? to say, yeah, right. I'm going to make my salary torturing animals? Like, right? I no, I can't even fathom that. No, it's mind boggling. And some of them even have pets at home. So it's just really this, you know, they compartmentalize in a way that to me, it's just, I'm sorry, that's like serial killer mode. The, yeah. the, the stuff I've heard and people have described in videos and described the, the, the faces that they've made in the process. It's just no, no, no. And, you know, and it doesn't have to be that way. My vet uh, is totally off, not off subject, but it's kind of relevant to this. She's made such a change in Mm -hmm. the veterinarian industry because when she went to school, she discovered that they take in healthy pets and they kind of do the same thing, like to operate on them. You know, they're operating on dogs and cats that don't need to Mm. in order to learn how to perform surgery. When she was like, you can do the same thing by spaying and neutering dogs and cats. You are learning how to perform surgery by doing this surgery. So I I believe, I don't know the full details to it, but I think she has like some kind of program now where that's like people wanting or, you know, studying to become veterinarians don't have to go through that where they euthanize a dog that didn't need to be euthanized and, and all that. They have like, let's spay and neuter. And she has performed many surgeries on my dogs. So um, she's very skilled. She's been uh, had her practice for over 20 years. So you can learn the same same steps without hurting these animals that never needed to be operated on or hurt in any way or get a dog that is dying and euthanize i i just don't understand there's so many more ethical steps that could be made with just a little bit more time and effort Mm -hmm. so anyway i love the difference she's making ethics what are those i know (laughs) i know money rules yeah my anger showing no it's okay it's easy <laughs> it's easy to get angry with this subject especially because it's very a lot of it's unnecessary it is it's, unnecessary it's all unnecessary i know this is a little bit off topic because we're talking about products mostly you know makeups and cleaners and stuff right. like that but just to throw in and we've talked about this on the podcast before one of the things that i have a problem with that is related to animal testing is food for my cat right, right. I have had, I I remember one very specific discussion, a little Mm -hmm. bit of a heated discussion. I'm saying that in quotes (laughs) in regards to what food to give my sick cat. Oh, wow. You know, my cat's name was Spike. He came to me after, you know, he was born in my house and then I adopted him out to my friend's aunt and then they just didn't like him for some reason. So 12 years later, he comes back to me. They were going to put him to sleep because he was peeing on things. Well, that's a longer story. Right. It was their um, behavior that caused his behavior, quote unquote, issues. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh, so I got him back when he was 12 years old, already in stage three kidney failure. I brought him to my vet and this was, you know, a few years, it was several years ago and we were discussing nutrition and they wanted to put him on low protein food Mm, and I refused. Right. And so we had this debate 
And my whole thing of why, and by the way, you know, a little bit of good news in here. He Mm -hmm. lived with stage three kidney failure for two years. So yeah, I I kept him, I kept him healthy by keeping him on protein. Wow. But the, the thing that I found out and I was doing lots of research, I was reading like these abstract studies and whatever, all of the information that goes into how to formulate cat food was all from tests done on rats. Oh God. Okay. So big red flag, rats are omnivores and cats are obligate carnivores. So how can you formulate a cat food based on rat studies? So true. For the health of my cat. And wow, you know, it was like this. Oh, I was on a rampage. That's news to me. That's news yeah. to me. Thank you for t- sharing that with me. I was on a rampage yeah. for a long time because I wanted the best for this cat. This cat came to me of already course. ill, and yeah. they were all thinking, "Oh, stage three kidney failure." You know, he doesn't have that much yeah. time left, and right, you know, lower the protein. Now I understand that the thought behind it because when you are an omnivore. If you mm-hmm. have kidney failure and you reduce the protein in your diet, it can help your kidneys work better. But if mm-hmm. you reduce mm-hmm. the protein in an obligate carnivore's diet, you limit the circulation in the kidneys. So sense. if an animal yeah. is already in kidney failure, by limiting the protein, you are speeding that up. Right. Wow. So amazing. Yeah. So I know it was a little off subject, but kind of. No, it's- not really, because you mentioned the the end result is exactly what we're talking about here. You can't test something for a human. I mean, rats don't get cancer from cigarettes, No, you know, and, and we do like secondhand smoke, smoking cigarettes. It's just little things like that. It just sounds like it sounds unreal. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense to me. If you start talking about it in depth, you're like, wait, this doesn't, (laughs) Mm -hmm. this doesn't work. So thank (laughs) you for sharing that story. Yeah. I mean, I talk to your vet uh, vets about it or do your research. Right. I don't want to tell anybody right. to do it worked for my cat. I will continue right. to do it if I have another cat with kidney failure. Yeah. But you know, I'm not a vet, so I just right. want to put that out there, but that is my experience. And I have That's learned what, what I needed yeah. to know through my own personal experience. And that was my personal exactly. experience. Yep. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. So you know, we've talked about all of these different aspects of you know what happens to these lab animals. We've talked a little bit about how people can potentially support. And we did touch on the possibility of fostering or adopting these animals who have been rescued and rehabilitated from mm-hmm. these lab situations. If somebody wanted to apply to a foster or adopt an animal, what would the process be for that? So there are definitely a few steps with adopting a survivor. You, you can find out more information on the organization you want to adopt from. But the basic steps are you're going to fill out an application. And then there is a whole process to see if you qualify and if you're prepared to take one on. So you definitely mm-hmm. need to be educated on survivors and what to expect. So I've known people who have survivors and Mm -hmm. I've seen plenty of videos, um, but many of these animals have nightmares. 
mm-hmm. and are haunted in their sleep. Some come out of there with health complications, whether their eye is already gone or their eye has to be removed in time because of all the damage done to it, chemicals mm-hmm. poured in it and so forth. Let's see, like, uh, just like trying to think. I, I, I was told that some don't even know how to walk because they're just carried to the torture mm. chamber, basically, and then back to their cage with absolutely no pain medication. They they don't know what a dog bed is because they were used to, you know, sleeping on steel bars their whole life. Mm. And some person even told me that her dog in particular was triggered by the dishwasher going off. So oh, wow. these dogs have post-traumatic stress, right. you know, but I, I do have to say that I have seen like before and after footage where they first started out and and then who they've become today, their actual dogs, you know. And so I applaud these humans for taking in these animals and, and giving them the patience and unconditional love that they deserved. But yeah, like some of the stuff I'm listing out right there, it's a process. So you right. do have to be mentally prepared. And I think they talk you through it. You have like a phone interview and then an in-person interview and they will educate you on what to expect and to mm-hmm. hopefully never give up on them because once they come out of their shell, my God, is it, is it absolutely beautiful? Yeah. Um, right. I can so imagine. Yeah, it's a process. It's not just, I'm going to adopt a puppy. I'm going to adopt a dog. Right. There is a, these, they become special needs dogs. They are considered right. that. And not just dogs. There have been plenty of people who have adopted horses, goats. There's so many other animals used in animal testing. Fish are used. I mean, pigs it's it's endless Mm. so i've heard similar experiences as well with different species so yeah that's uh (laughs) i think that's the process of it but also what to expect yeah i'm sure a lot of people just picture rabbits rats and mice and they don't realize and like guinea pigs they don't realize the extent and Mm -hmm. the scope of how many animals and how many breeds and species are actually used because oh, yeah. we humans, oh, well, let's just try it on this horse. Let's just right. try it on the cow. They're just yeah. a cow. They're just a horse. And then oh, it, yeah. it spirals from there when, you know, we all know that these animals have just as much empathy, emotion, compassion, thoughts, desires, needs as all a it. human. All of it. And just because they look different, they have to be treated differently. I just don't, oh. I just don't get it. I, I, I mean, don't get it either. It's really painful it's here. I mean, I understand yeah. there is this other side of the argument. Well, it's saving somebody's life. Well, not is really. It really? No, <laughs> yeah. it's not. Yeah, it's it, really it's not. It's really not. I mean, there's so much of this stuff that they damage the animal's body. They're damaging your body too, trying to get you healthy on many, you know, many different cures. Let's say I put quotes. Yeah, on well, they they give you one medicine at the expense of something else. That's right. the way. That's the way our medical industry has turned right. into. I mean, and then like you probably some of the worst, you know, stuff that can happen with uh, these animals that are, are adopted out that were survivors. Some of them have, like I mentioned earlier, have had tumors that were implanted into them. So. They're living their lives fighting cancer. Mm. So it's just, it's just crazy, you know? Mm. And anyway, so that's, that's one thing that could happen. Or you can just see your dog, cat, you know, especially if it's a dog. I I love the pictures where you see them sunbathing and just enjoying Mm. life. And that's, that's what they know now. 
the little, the simple pleasures of life, the simple pleasures that we take for granted that they never had some of them for eight, nine years. Like my God, the fact that these dogs don't don't walk, they don't, it's horrible. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. So that's just something to expect going in. If you're going to make that, you know, uh, uh, what's the word? challenge (laughs) yeah you know i i want to do it one day when you look at most rescued animals most rescued animals have something that you're gonna have to deal with some type of trauma yeah yeah Yeah. some type of trauma they're afraid of something you know you look at like greyhound rescues a lot of these greyhounds don't even know how to navigate stairs or anything like that i mean right there's you have a a dog that's at a shelter has been rescued been sitting in a puppy mill for its entire life having right three litters of babies in a year Mm -hmm. there's always going to be some type of you know like you mentioned earlier we're into post-traumatic stress there's gonna be something and it just you know it, it just goes to show you that you know, rescuing is the way to go. It is. It's a rainbow of degrees. Yeah. Of how much of you're it. going to have to put into it. And when you have animals mm-hmm. that have been made sick on purpose, right. You're at a higher degree of special needs. Absolutely. And if you have the heart for it and you have the empathy for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't buy. Don't yep. buy. Yeah. Just, just Please rescue. don't buy yeah. a, a puppy beagle when there's so many born in a lab. And yeah, fortunately, yeah. some get released and now they can actually have a life and not live the life of their parents. And to me, that's such a rewarding yeah. way to have a pet in your life. Right. Yeah. I mean, we definitely advocate for rescuing from a shelter or from mm-hmm. uh, a rescue Absolutely. itself. Yep. But I think that people need to really consider that when they're making that choice, they shouldn't be doing it from a place of, oh, I want a dog because I feel lonely, or Mm, I want a cat because I want something to play with or something like that, you know, a selfish Uh, decision. Yeah, right. Because a lot of these animals need some support from us. And if we're not in a place where we can provide that support to them and have this kind of balance, because they even the special needs animals that have a lot of trauma, they still give a lot to us yes. in their in their love, in their things that we can learn from them, even oh, though absolutely. they might be struggling. But we need to be able to give back to them as well. Yes, I agree. Absolutely. Beautifully put. So just a couple more questions to wrap things up. Mm-hmm. This is more on the aspect of your writing rather than the topic itself. Right. What is one of your most memorable author visits? And did you feel that you made an impact on the children that you were visiting? Yeah. So my favorite visit to always talk about, I, I, I had one at the Helen Woodward Animal Center in Fairbanks Ranch, California. So it was a bit mm-hmm. of a drive out for me. Mm-hmm. But I read to the children there, and I was shocked that the age range was uh, somewhere around 6 to 11. <laughs> That's a broad so, age range. It is a broad. It Well, it was a, I don't think it was a summer camp. It was probably a fall camp. And I went there. And so I think with camp, sometimes it's the ages, there's, there's huge gaps, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was like this big, like outdoor auditorium thing. And the, and I saw all these like six, seven year olds running around. I said, Oh 
my. Mm-hmm. And it was, I was had to read this book. Now I knew this book was for this age, but I always say the children that understand my books the most are anywhere from like eight to 12. So I knew this would be a challenge, but there were a few 11 year olds, not many. It was mostly that age. And I have to say, I felt very good at the end of it because the things that really stuck out to these six-year-olds were when they heard, like, it was my illustrator's idea because I was sharing all this information to her of this is what happens in animal laboratories. She went, this is wasted because you're telling me all this. I'm learning this and I want the readers, you know, to learn this too. We have to put it somewhere because all my books rhyme. So I'm like, well, Mm. this isn't a beautiful thing to rhyme about so she Mm. came up with the idea of these little like fact bubbles in the corner so in one of those bubbles on 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 the page there it said the dogs like i was saying earlier their vocal cords are usually removed so that they don't bark in cages and so then one little girl kept asking well how do they remove it i'm like well surgery and why do they do that i'm like well they take away their voice but you can be their voice. And so it was this Mm. obsession on taking away the vocal cords. It was the obsession on the tattoo on, on the ear, you know, it was Mm. those things that especially like they never are in the grass. Like we're in the grass right now. They are never in the grass and they all had pets at home. Mm. So they pictured Buster, Charlie, whoever they have at home, like, Oh my God, he never gets to go outside. He never gets to play fetch. He doesn't know what a dog bed is. He doesn't even know what it's like to be pet. Mm. So that was making a huge impact on them. And at Mm. the end, what I do is I carry around like a product and, and I actually had hairspray in my, uh, in my purse. So they all got to go around and look for the bunny on the back of it and scan it. So they were really excited to now use this. And so when their parents were coming to pick them up, they were like, mommy, mommy, we got to, download this app and a few Mm -hmm. of the people Mm -hmm. bought the book and I signed it for them. And it was just so amazing to teach these kids about animal testing in a way that got to them, but not in a way that made them screaming, crying, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, so I felt good that, Mm -hmm. you know, the challenge I put upon myself actually worked. And then there was an 11 year old girl there who's an aspiring author illustrator. Hmm. So her mom bought the book for her, actually her younger friend. So it was nice to to have a conversation with that girl. And she obviously she's an animal lover. And I said, follow that path. You know, I mean, I wish I could draw. So you are already 20 steps ahead of me. And so <laughs> it's just really nice to have an in-person visit and talk to them about a subject that is so hidden especially from children um, yeah and have them resonate with it and at least find a way that they can be empowered to do their part right Mm. and so i i I do feel that was one of the most uh, impactful visits that Mm. is so dear to my heart i actually have some of the pictures from that day framed Mm. on my wall for a reminder when i'm feeling a little down nice (laughs) yeah so we mentioned that this was your second book that we're talking about. Right. How much time ended up passing between publishing your first book and writing the second one? Yeah, I, I, I'm glad that this question is, is asked because for anyone who's listening who is an aspiring author, it's such great advice to know about that I was luckily I read about when I first started publishing my books. So I wrote this book, Cruelty Free is the Way to Be, immediately after my first one, Adventure at Rainbow Bridge. So I had two ready. So right after the first one was illustrated and published, we started this one. So it's just the best way to establish 
yourself as an author to, to release a second book shortly after your first one, it's a way to, to show people you're really serious about making this a career path and that you want to gain a following with like-minded readers. So mm-hmm. luckily this idea came to me when it did, because it's mm-hmm. really hard to come up with two ideas that you feel you can not just have the idea, but turn them into stories. So yeah. I, I do feel like the other ones since then have had longer gaps for sure. But I feel like it's definitely most important to have it with your first two. Yeah, and your first two are very powerful topics. Thank yeah. you. Topics yeah. that people don't, or I wouldn't say don't talk about, but are afraid to talk about. Right. Absolutely. And being able to reframe it in a way that appeals to children so they can learn early on right. and be able to make better choices as they get older and understand because when they're young, that's when their empathy is really there. It's very profound. They haven't so forgotten much. it yet and right. have two powerful books. And we're going to have you back and talk about <laughs> Adventures of the Rainbow Bridge because oh, that's obviously, yeah. I mean, just the title tells right. you what topic right. it is and being yes. able to have that plus cruelty free is the way to be too controversial for kids right. right and also powerful definitely i think helped kind of seat you in your position as an author oh thank mm-hmm. you so much thank you that that was definitely the goal because i knew each one was going to be a tough topic that that no one mm. wants to talk about yeah. or is afraid to talk about with their children. And, mm. and that is important for all children, especially animal lovers, to have a sense of knowledge and, and how they mm. can make a difference. Because if I knew half of the things I knew now, or at least some of it as a child, I feel like I could have even done more. So if I could help those children really find their path on how they want to help animals, that is the goal with writing these books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you just help the shift that we're already doing move faster. Right. Mm-hmm. right. More companies will be cruelty free and exactly. more people will get into the business of animal rescue, animal care, animal education, all of that. You know, maybe we'll have more conscious vets coming into the industry, right. start them right. young, get them really understand everything. And they're going to be the change makers. Yes. I, mm-hmm. I agree so much. And uh, I, I'm honored that you spoke about me in that way. Really, I feel like I can retire right now and um, <laughs> <laughs> die happily if I had to. <laughs> so thank you. That's yeah. so, so heartwarming. <laughs> oh, you're welcome, but we won't want you to retire. No, Keep I'm writing saying. your books. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that was beautiful and I really appreciate it. it was a it was some encouragement for sure well it was such a pleasure to have you on again and yes you know I pleasure being here (laughs) (laughs) I think we both really look forward to having you on again to talk about adventures at the rainbow bridge and sharing more about that and perhaps more in the future as you write more books I love it (laughs) I I'm really excited about the first one because it's I feel like everything your show is about is is so it's very much targeted around that topic. So I'm really excited to talk to you ladies about that book and the spiritual journey aspect of it. So well, we're happy to be that place. Awesome. Mm -hmm. We really tried to bring that into pet ownership and just animal advocacy in general. Yes. Because that's forgotten so much. It it really is forgotten so much. It is. And I think that's what makes 
like you said, pet ownership so magical is if you have all those links, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Thank you so much, ladies. Hmm. So if you want to connect with Sabrina on social media, you can find her on Instagram at alwaysfairbooks. You can also email her at alwaysfairbooks at gmail.com. And I'm sure she would love to answer any questions you might have. Absolutely, I will. <laughs> and you can go on Amazon and buy her book. Yeah, just buy they, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> just a reminder as well, the app that we were talking about is called Cruelty Cutter. And it's featured actually in the back of Sabrina's book. So if you buy the book, you'll be able to get more information about it. Absolutely. There's a lot of information that is explained about it. And there's also the logo or the design. So if you're like, oh, which one is it? I have the thumbnail picture of what it is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're downloading the right one. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, it's so great to have you. I'm so looking forward to having you here again, especially with the first book. That's a topic I feel very strongly about. And I think it needs to be spoken about a lot more. So I'm looking forward to that. So uh, stay in touch. Yes, absolutely. We'll have you back as soon as possible. Oh my goodness. Thanks so much for joining us. Of course. I hope everybody buys your books because they are (laughs) so, so good. So good. Thank you. So have a great evening and uh, we look forward to chatting with you again. Absolutely. Thank you so much, ladies. I can't wait to be back. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. We always have a lovely conversation with her. She's so much fun to chat with and we're looking forward to definitely having her back. I like these repeat guests. They're kind of cool. So if you have any questions about Sabrina, about the Animal Files or anything regarding the topic, feel free to email us at the Animal Files podcast at gmail.com. And of course, we're going to have all of Sabrina's information on the show notes, and we will eventually have all of that on our website as well. So make sure you go check that out. And while you're on the website, which is theanimalfilespodcast.com, you can get all of our social links and you can get a ton of information to help you and your animal live happy, healthy, thriving lives. So with that, I think we're done for this (laughs) evening. Hope you enjoyed the interview and we'll be back next week with another great jam-packed episode. Have a great night, everyone. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.